Welcome back to the Financial Coconut Podcast Network, the leading personal finance podcast network in Singapore. I'm your host, Reggie, aka Your Chief Financial Coconut, and every Thursday, you will finally get to chill with us. Hosted by Andrew, we will be bringing on some of the quirkiest, geekiest, leading voices in the personal finance space to give them ample time to talk about their stories, the lessons they have learned over time, and some good advice for all of us. What has aged well? What didn't do so well? Why did they do what they do? So So sit back and chill with TFC. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Religion, you know, like I'm sure like within like the financial community, if something new comes up, there's going to be people who are like, this is good, this is bad, this is how I think we should do it. This is how yeah. everything is like that. Mm, yeah. So... <laughs> How Muslim are you? Um, <laughs> that's like, that's a, wait, can I even ask that question? You ask me <laughs> that? Ask that question. <laughs> hey, Coconut, I'm your host, Reggie, aka Your Chief Financial Coconut, and welcome back to our Islamic Finance Special. So exciting. I've been wanting to do this for a long, long time for the community members that are of the Muslim faith, but. For all of you tuning in, actually, non-Muslims can also invest in Sharia investments. Did you know? Did you know? Our expert today, Mr. Raja Muhammad, aka Raj from Five Pillars, who is one of the leading experts on Islamic banking and finance in Singapore, has some really interesting thoughts. To him, investing in Sharia-compliant investments is just about having good morals and not about the religion itself. But uh, to make sure I don't get (laughs) cancelled And to make sure These questions that we're going to put forth today Matters to the community I've invited a great friend of mine Taisha Khan Actress Taisha Khan You may have seen her on Channel 5 or Surya But to me She's still the crazy girl that I hang out with in JC (laughs) Specifically for today's episode There may be some technical terms That if you want to get the most And the best experience out of today's episode You should check out part 1 of this series Which is a primer on Islamic Financial terms. So, without further ado, welcome back to Chills with TFC. Okay, so, ta-da. ta-da! Welcome back to another episode of Chills, and today you have me in the house, Reggie, aka your chief financial coconut, because today Andrew is very occupied. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, I am on set together with a uh, Childhood friend of mine, quite childhood already, lah, huh? Oh, oh, okay, okay, like teenage, <laughs> teenage yes, friend. yeah, teenage oh. friend of mine. Because I don't need camera to look at like, that. <laughs> <laughs> I think you look at that one, like camera, white camera, right? So because we're gonna talk a little, oh, you talk, talk, look at that camera, okay? So because we are gonna talk about a topic that is, um, I don't know if I can talk about it. Right? <laughs> I don't know if I should participate in the conversation, but. Yeah, I can, you know, but that's why that's why I brought a friend on and her name is Taisha. You want to introduce yourself? Woo-hoo. Hi, I'm Taisha. I'm an actor and a writer. You may have seen me on Surya. You may have seen me on Channel 5. You may have seen my poetry. As long as you've seen me. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even know you write poetry. Ha. Oh. Ha. Oh. 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 I'm 
published. Yes. Oh, girls published. Yes. And together we will be hosting Raj on set with us today, Islamic finance expert. But would you like to introduce yourself? Oh, a goodness bit gracious. More? Yes. Yeah. Well, hello. My name is Raj Muhammad, and uh, I've been in this industry for close to what since 2005, actually. Mm-hmm. So it's been a while. And then I registered a company to offer this professionally since 2008, and I'm glad to give my take on how Islamic finance can actually benefit not just the Muslims, uh, actually the investor community at large. Thank you for having me. Yeah, my, my take. I want to double down on it. My <laughs> take. Why, why is it? Why must you clarify that that is, that is your take on, on Islamic finance? Uh, well, because what happened is this, Islamic finance, as, um, especially in the age of uh, social media, you know, everyone is an expert, right? And everyone's <laughs> going to give their point of view. And then sometimes the ignorant who is not aware may find contradicting and sometimes even confusing information. So that's why it's very important that we kind of qualify how why we say it and and hopefully we want evidence and try and validate what we say with you know with data or, or, or actual scriptures and etc and also no one person can like he says it's his take because like you know that's how he practices it mm. it can't be like one person represents the entire human yeah. population of muslims ma yeah. oh. I, i'm very afraid i get cancelled <laughs> It's like, what, what, what am I going to say? You no, know, no, no, like, actually, like, actually, yeah. she's right. Mm-hmm. So just getting of them. So let's just, let's just ignore mm. Christianity. You look at the, how polarized uh, the take on that is, and including Hinduism and etc. Yeah. So I guess whenever when it comes to a touchy subject or a sensitive subject uh, like a religion, you will have differentiating views and opinions. And even yeah? if it's not religion, you know, like I'm sure like within like the financial community if something new comes up there's going to be people who are like this is good this is bad this is how I think we should do it this is how yeah. everything is like that mm, yeah. so <laughs> how Muslim are you? Um, <laughs> that's like, that's is, a, wait can I even ask that question? Ask can I even ask that question? <laughs> How yeah. dare anyway, uh, anyway, for all you tuning in, you know, don't don't cancel me. You know, I'm I'm really coming from that like super ignorant. Cancel him, cancel him. He's been around right? for too like, long. We <laughs> 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 need some competition. I, mean, I want to take over. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my <laughs> but yeah, yeah. I think I think for for context sake, right? Like like like, how do you identify? You know, in, in the I don't know. Is that like a Muslim spectrum? Like like I don't know. <laughs> the <Muslim spectrum. laughs> yes. Yeah, it's the rainbow. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, of course, lah. I think mm. with any religion, whether be it like Hinduism, mm, Christianity, mm. Islam. Everybody has their own way of practicing. There is, of course, the main rules. We have what we are supposed to follow. But even within Muslims, there are those who follow what you're supposed to follow and mm. those who don't, who, but still identify as Muslims. So mm. I think personally, I would say I'm quite Muslim, but also I'm, I feel like I'm somewhere in the middle. Mm, mm. I don't know a lot. And part of Islam is always the quest to keep learning more and understanding mm. more and like, finding knowledge. So I will say that I don't know everything. In fact, I would say I barely know. I can't say that either. <laughs> I know lah, but I don't know everything. I don't know a lot lah, okay? Mm-hmm. So, but I do try to practice. Mm, yeah. Then why are you here? <laughs> <laughs> 
Because <laughs> you asked me to be here. What's this question? I thought you needed yeah, to find me. We are, we, are on a, we are on a quest together here today, right? Yeah, we're on a quest together here to learn, yeah. right? And and I think to to kick off the discussion, right? Yeah. I think there are a few interesting pointers that we can go into, but let's start with the basic of um, like what, what is Islamic finance, right? Like, I mean, I think we, I wanted to do today's episode uh, to achieve two things, right? One, to allow non-Muslims to get a rounder view of like how the Muslim population, our friends think, and at the same time empower, you know, our Muslim community within, uh, which is a subset of our, our community, right? And uh, there are a lot, a lot, a lot of uh, Muslim listeners, you yeah, know, in yeah. the podcast space, and, and I really want to connect and reach out to them also, right? So what is the take on Islamic finance? Well, what is it really? Fantastic. If you were to ask anyone who is an Islamic finance or investment proponent, you know, the answer that you typically will get is, oh, we cannot indulge in, uh, you know, interest-based transactions. Um, we cannot participate in sin industry, which is obviously the adult entertainment, casino, the alcohol, and etc. And then you cannot go into the gambling uh, chances. So as such, a lot of financial instruments are maybe deemed as non-Islamic. However, I am not a supporter of that kind of a definition because someone who wants to know about Islamic finance, the body language is we want to subscribe. There's an interest. So that's why you ask, what is it? And then we as proponents of this Islamic finance should actually embrace it with both arms. Mm. So if we were to give a negative, no, you can't do this five times. I mean, if we just say we can't do this, that, that, definitions, right? I mean, you ask, what is it? And if I throw you 10 no's, then, then that is not proper, we mm. believe. So we have now summed it up in a very simple way. And anything that's deemed harmful or non-beneficial to yourself as a human being, to the community and the environment can be deemed as uh, non-Islamic. Ah, interesting. Right? That's that's a lot broader than the religion itself. Because it's that simple mm. too, mm. right? So if you were to try and find all the no's that typically you get from, and you will find that they all gravitate towards the negativity towards an individual, mm. community, or harmful to the community. So if you take interest-based transactions, and people ask why, the original text is against usurious practices. The what is usurious practices? And I say simply try missing your credit card for a day. And you'll be slapped with a $100 bill. So now I asked you, regardless of what your faith is, do you agree to pay a $100 fine for missing one day? And you'd show me one individual who will say, I'm so happy to pay. You'll never find that. To, to us, such practices are usurious, right? The excessive charging money on money. Is it usurious in terms of the user or in terms of the person giving the money? Because he's a bank who's giving you the credit card. No, no. The usurious means you're charging. So it's usury. Yeah, yeah usury. That's so, so those practices, so the bank is now harming you by slapping you excessive charge for you missing a day. Charges, penalty and charges are acceptable in Islamic because they are deterrent. Because you have a contractual obligation to fulfill something and you're obliged. And to have a charge is to tell you if you do, that there's a penalty. But to charge you excessively, that's what we are against. Mm. Honestly. <clears throat> um, so is there halal credit card? <laughs> so 
sorry. I'm so horrible at this, right? I'm going to defer because I don't know the answer to this. It's just like the language. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. Like I said, we are, again, usurious practices. Credit card is not. So credit card allows you to manage your finances carefully, right? So you are able to pay, but you would be paying later. And if it helps you in your finances, why not? However, taking the same credit card, be it halal or non-halal, And then have thank to you for coming to my level. <laughs> <laughs> It's like halal or non-halal, you know, like. I mean, um, is it is it okay? Wait, is it okay first? Like, yeah. Why? What, what do you think yeah. is wrong with saying that? I don't know. I feel like I feel like you know, like Islamic. You know, there's like this very like um, there's a zone. You know, so so I want I think to on the good side of things. At least mm. you're erring on the side of caution yeah. and trying to be respectful, yes. which I think is nice. Mm. I mean, halal and non-halal. Finance definitely it applies to finance okay. as well, not just food. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, exactly. Right. So, regardless of what card you have, and then if you were to go and abuse it, and how do I abuse it? Because you could use the halal credit card to gamble too, right? I mean, who's stopping it? So, the halal credit card can be also be subscribed by a non-Muslim, right? Because it's it doesn't it's not only for Muslims per se. So, having said that. So there is a avenue for people to abuse the the, the cards, regardless of whether it's issued by an Islamic institution or otherwise. Mm. So what we are against is, um, you know, as I said earlier, it's a usurious practices. Mm. If you were to go and check the database on regularly, just at Google it, you will find billions of dollars have been paid for financial misbehavior, and all of them have been conventional banks. So you don't get penalized if you are proper, mm. only when you misbehave. Mm. So conventional banks have in some way have misbehaved and that's why they have been penalized and something running into hundreds of billions of dollars. So there are issues in the practices and some of the instruments that conventional banks gives, which Islamic institution would not support. What, what are some of these reasons that causes the fine and, and all these kind of penalties? So if you look at the reasons, they have been quite interesting. For example, there is this um, uh, concept called proprietary trading. Mm. So what does proprietary trading is? Typically, banks have been asked to manage customers' funds, mm-hmm. right? But over the years, when there were so many opportunities to make money, banks have realized that they should invest their own funds and also make money, right? So if there is a high net worth individual who has given millions of dollars to the bank, and in the event the bank invests and makes so much money for the customer, they realize why should we make just for him? Why can't the bank too? So when the bank goes into that element of so-called proprietary trading, and then sometimes we have found banks and they have been penalized, they do this so-called front running. So what is front running? Basically, when you trade, you will find that you have an opportunity to buy low and sell high, and you make the spread. And sometimes there are privileged information as to why there will be a movement in the price. So banks sometimes get this information, use it first. And then they benefit it, and then they sometimes give some of it to the customer. So this is called front running. So this, this is one thing. And then there are many other misbehaviors that happened. Um, something as they have not managed their customers properly, or they have malpractices to artificially inflate the bank's profits 
or share price. So if you look up, for example, there's this um, famous uh, Wells Fargo. If you look it up in the United States, uh, you know, they have been questioned by the Congress and etc. So there has been a, numerous occasions where the banks have misbehaved, sometimes helping the clients to tax evasion and all this kind of uh, misappropriateness has been what brought the banks to pay these huge fines. And that's un-Islamic. Absolutely. I mean, it's not only un-Islamic, I think any, even a non-Muslim would find that unethical. Yes. So if you were a customer of a bank and if you find A, that the bank made money first before you did, is you will not accept it, even if it's Islamic or un-Islamic. Mm-hmm. And then if you find that your accounts have been misappropriated or has been, uh, has been abused, you would not agree with it. You know, if people find that they have started issuing you cards that you did not apply, all right? They've started opening accounts that you did not apply. So these kind of things are the ones that I think not only Muslim, anyone would not. So these are things I am not guaranteeing the Islamic banks won't do. Yeah, that was my question. <laughs> like, are you certain that the Islamic they banks they will? They absolutely. Yeah. Because mm. it's human errors we're talking about, mm. right? Mm. While the principles tell you not to, Right, there's still people crossing the line, so there may be human instances. Beings human yeah, human beings. So we yeah. are prone to. So anyone who abuses and who does not uh, comply to what they should do would be abused. To, however, having said that, since there, see, conventional finance has been around. It's been cited like some 400 to 450 years old. If you look at the practices, Islamic finance, although they rely on scriptures worth 1,400 years ago they have been only been a serious contender in the same space over the last three to four decades. Okay, so if you start looking up the introduction of Islamic institutions, you'll find that it has been in very recent times. So we are looking at 400 years old practices and trying to compare it with something that's in a very nascent stage. Right, so there will be missteps in Islamic finance too, but there has been a lot of misbehaviors and misappropriateness and misconducts on the conventional side as of now. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I have a question to ask. So prior to this 30 to 40 years, what kind of forms did Islamic finance take? I mean, since, you know, it's been around since the dawn of Islam. Like sure. There were businessmen and businesswomen and banks and all that. Absolutely. So let's look at it. When does anyone need financial advice? You don't need it Always. when you are just started. <laughs> Always need financial advice. <laughs> this is different kind, right? Um, different kind of different level. Yes. No, no, no. Financial services versus advice is two different things, yes, right? Yes. So everyone needs financial service because they are not saving or putting the money under the pillow anymore. <laughs> Correct? So we need to put the money in the bank. So we started off with so-called something as simple as savings account or current account to manage our money. So that is financial services, right? ATM and et cetera. Somebody needs financial advice when their disposable income increases. So I have enough to eat, do my daily chores and social services, et cetera. Now I have got 10,000 more. What do I do? That's when it started increasing. And it gets more sophisticated as that amount or that part gets larger. Mm. 
right? So that's where we are. So prior to the advent of serious Islamic or big Islamic finance institutions, Islamic finance has been practiced in much smaller scale mm-hmm. within the community, mm. right? So obviously it started off in, in the Middle East. And then... When why, tra- why is it obviously? Well, because that's where Islam started, mm. right? So when Islam started, the whole of the Muslim world looks towards our Prophet and Mecca and the advent of the, the Quran for answers. Mm. So obviously that's where it started, right? So the practices of, of, of the Prophet's time, how did him and his companions dealt with certain instances? So that's where it started. So it started off obviously in the Middle East, and then as trades gets bigger and better, so first there were cross cities trades and then cross-country trades, and then you find cross-continent, etc. So as you get more sophisticated, you find that there is a huge movement of capital that was happening too, right? So Malaysia started to say, hey, you know what? Since we have a large number of Muslims, let us now try and introduce Islamic finance. And then your next question could be, wait, Indonesia is the largest Muslim country. Why did Malaysia? You probably could do that. I think there were different issues and priorities in the different countries at different point of times. Uh, and that's why uh, Malaysia was at a, at a point of time that they could very reasonably kind of like develop the Islamic finance market. Mm. And Indonesia could have other structural and infrastructural issues that they may not be able to introduce it as fast or better than the Malaysians then. I, mean, I, I live in Malaysia. I live in Subang for oh. all you guys tuning in. So <laughs> my assumption is everything is halal. Even the banking service. I, you don't even need to like question like this is confirmed halal. Yes. Like, is it compliance? But is that the reality? Well, not necessarily because mm. uh, I think uh, Malaysia's first Islamic institution was the so-called Tabung Haji. And Tabung Haji is merely a savings uh, arrangement for the Malaysian Muslims to save up for their pilgrimage, right? So when they started saving wow. from young, so that they can they go can to do this in a documentary. Man. <laughs> it's like so interesting. So much to yeah, so much to know. Please, please. Yeah. Yes. So they want because doing a pilgrimage was a costly affair, and it, since it's only once Still in a is. lifetime, <laughs> so this, and I last heard yes, in yes. Singapore, it was close to. Uh, 18,000 or so. What? That, now, now, now. So then... Uh, then really? Yeah. No, I had a little opinion yeah, yeah, yeah. that it was like more... Yes, know. I know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I've, I've heard expensive. exorbitant amounts too. Yeah. But having said that, so because it was it was quite a, a, a pricey uh, affair, Malaysian Muslims started saving young. So to go for a pilgrimage 10 years down the road, they started saving today. And obviously, having a majority Muslims uh, in Malaysia, that became quite a powerful institution. And then Malaysia, the next institution they introduced was Bank Islam mm. in Malaysia. So these were primarily for domestic consumption. They were not international banks, neither were they regional. So they had enough masses to support both the institution and the services. So that's how it started. And then came the financial crisis. I think it's a 9-11. I think yesterday or the day before we celebrated the, I don't know how many years celebrated. was that. Oh, well. Kind of <laughs> like like Come <laughs> <Commemor- laughs> <laughs> Don't cancel, Raj. Okay? Don't no, no, relax. We relax. We didn't, relax. We didn't yeah. mean it that way. <laughs> Apologies. That's very bad. Coming from a Muslim. Yes. Coming from a Muslim. Yes. So the commemorate, the world commemorated the 9-11. So that's when they found that the liquidity, so there was one reason. And the second reason was when there was an exorbitant Price in, oil price increase uh, sometime 2008 or seven or whatever. There was a fourfold oil price increase and they realized that the money in the conventional market has disappeared and then the Middle Easterns 
became super rich overnight. So when those who needed the capital went over to the Middle East to raise funds, they started asking, are you Sharia compliant or are you Islamic? Yeah, there was a period of time. I hear people right? going yes. to the Middle East. Realize, so when oh, they went there. Exactly. Yes, yes. So they wanted to go over to start uh, raising capital. And then these and these were the cities and the stand charts and the chase banks of the, you know, that caliber, these big banks. So when they started asking, remember I told you we have 450 years experience, they started offering structuring halal or Islamic products. Mm. So Stanchart now has an Islamic bank equivalent. I forgot the name, Sadat or something like that, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, HSBC has got an Islamic yeah, bank equivalent. Yeah. And then equally Citibank has City Islamic and etc. So all of them started offering. These uh, international banks of that caliber and that size has both the capital and reach to market Islamic finance globally. And that's when people started taking uh, seriously and that's how you saw them spreading. So to answer the question, it started off in, in although it's, it is realized in the 1400 years ago, uh, scriptures, etc., it was more of a need and want and necessity. And that's how mm. it grew it. Cl- clarification, C- can our Islam listeners, can they, Muslim listeners, can, can, can our Muslim listeners um, be certain that you know, some of these big banks that they have uh, like an Islamic finance division or like a separate entity that the money will be managed separately between the different entities and like this whole vertical is compliant. Yeah. See, it's, it's a very interesting question because, okay, let, let's just go to the core of it. What, what are you really trying to do or achieve? So there's two sides to it. Me as wanting to ensure that my investment remains halal, right? That's one of my concerns. Now, what the religion tells basically is it actually asks you to make enough query, enough to understand how halal are they. A very simple example is if you go and eat at McDonald's, I simply look at the green sign. I don't look at, I don't go to the kitchen to see them actually slaughtering yeah. the chicken. Is it halal or not? You can't go down the whole production line <laughs> yeah. and try to find mm-hmm. out like this exactly. is chicken really from yeah. like, was it raised yeah. properly mm-hmm. and all mm-hmm. that? Or look at the halal sign in their meat or whatever. So you are essentially do trusting you have the agency, to. right? Exactly. Or, the, or the governance body. Yeah. Well, not really governance, governance body. You see, it's you have all the choice to place your funds or invest or have a relationship with this institution or not. No one else compelling you to. Mm-hmm. So you could walk to CIMB Islamic or Maybank Islamic and then you would have made your due diligence to make that decision. And your due diligence is looking at the literature and to get anything that comforts you, it is. So you would go to Maybank and then look at Islamic and then you say, who is pronouncing it as Islamic? So you see that there's a certificate and you're happy with the people who signed off. That's all is required. Hmm. And if, Sorry, yeah, I wanted on. to say that part of the religion is also to have good faith in other people, be they Muslim or not. So, yeah. I mean, if like you trust la, that some, if someone is saying or a certifying board of people is saying yes. something is halal, then you should have faith in it. Mm-hmm. And I think banking sector is very regulated, right? So I'm assuming absolutely, the absolutely. Islamic banking sector is very regulated also yeah. in that way. And I, and, I, and, I, and I think, you know, even in Singapore, so if you have... Uh, you know, have a relationship with the bank and they are deemed otherwise for some reason, you can bring it up to the court of law mm. and get judgment. So you could say misrepresentation, 
when you are not and you have showed you are and you can actually sue them. So, so is there Islamic finance in Singapore? I mean, I see some of these branches, but I just yes. want to know, like, because from what I hear in Malaysia, for all Malaysian listeners, it's Islamic first, uh, right? Is it like everything? It's no, core. It's, no, it's no, 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 it's okay. not. It's not. What you what has happened in in Malaysia is there are more Islamic banking services and products than conventional ones. No, no. Oh, just a from lot zero more. to okay. <laughs> so there's a lot more. Yeah, a zero mm. to now maybe hundred and it's growing. Okay, right? Okay. Because more institutions are offering. Yes. But then what about in so Singapore? in Singapore? Uh, what has happened is. Um, you see, there are four ways where a financial institution can offer Islamic products to Muslim consumers. And the four ways are maybe five. So the first one is what they call as a window. So you walk into a bank like OCBC, for example, if there are 30 counters, then you can find one of them designated as Islamic. So what happens then is that's usually just to test and say, there are two reasons for they are doing it. First, they want to say that we are also in this space. Secondly, to test and see if there are enough consumers to go and to, to expand. Expand, it. yeah. So if they find that the queues on that particular counter is getting louder and more, bigger, then they know, hey, we have a market, right? Don't cho-cho all the machi go there and queue up, right? <laughs> Don't surprise, uh, machi, their bank is on the arms. Uh, <laughs> okay, okay. Christmas tree. Yes, Maybe now they want to invest, you never know. Yeah, you never know. Right? So the first one is a window. Mm. So the next one, if they find that there are a lot of subscribers enough, then they may now go from window to what we call as a branch. So if they, if Maybank has got it, so if they have got, I think, 22 or 23 branch, they've designated the one in Geelang as an Islamic branch. Nice. Right? So that's something. So what they want to do, they just say, this branch product uh, gives more product. And so if you realize from a window, it is a counter to a branch. The next level they would go into is called the subsidiaries model. So subsidiary models will now take on bigger services such as giving uh, corporate services, you know, issuing bonds uh, and, 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 and more money, money market products and etc. So the first one counter is primarily savings accounts and etc. And then branch may give, you know, a bit of home loan or fixed mm. deposit and etc. And then the, uh, the, subsidiary. the, the subsidiary will now be, so this is the one you just mentioned, right? Mm. The Sadiq and etc. Mm. So this whole subsidiary, so which means the capital, the seed capital would have been given by the conventional bank and now it's wholly On so it's own. run all the activities will be done so in an at subsidiary, the subsidiary level at subsidiary level okay. right so in the group level they would report that hey our subsidiary making this much profits and etc okay right and then the other uh, method is what we call as a full-fledged islamic from day one islamic bank is one example no subsidy no nothing it's fully an islamic bank from day one all right and then there's another method which is called by transactions so somebody would walk into a bank uh, like DBS and say, hey, I want to issue bonds, but can you make it an Islamic bond? So if you realize there's no counter, no branch, no subsidy, no nothing, but you'll make sure that this particular transaction from this uh, customer, because the fees are quite handsome, then they say they would now make it an Islamic issue. Mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So these are the several ways uh, they are doing it. And in Singapore, I think we have got CIMB and Maybank and then quite a number of insurance companies are also offering Islamic funds, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Which and Muslims could go into. Yeah, and I want to push you on the fees being handsome, right? Because um, these days, 
everyone talk about low cost, right? Okay. Like fees must be low so that you maximize your returns. Yep. Yep. Um, so I want to get a bit of color on like what are the fees around these funds and okay. you know, is it really worth it? You, you know, you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. yeah. You see, basically, let's look at uh, why would anyone, anyone want to get into this business, mm. right? Why would anybody want to a, offer uh, an Islamic rather than a conventional? So there must be some value system or some some motivation for them to go this way versus the other. However, understand that now. Let's just take an example. If somebody wants to open an Islamic bank, if they were to offer a lending rate lower than the conventional, I think that's not tenable mm-hmm. because they all are benchmarked to the what would I say either the the common money market rates. You know, they used to call it LIBOR or something along that. So it's always benchmark. So it doesn't make sense to say the Islamic banks are going to charge you less. Or, or, or gonna you gotta pay lesser interest or anything of that. So I think more more the retail crowd they are they're more concerned. Is it gonna be more expensive? You know, just <clears> just <throat> so no, not. just so, so to you know yeah, just yeah. so that I can invest in Islamic funds or Islamic compliant products. Yeah. Am I gonna be paying more? No. Know? The answer is no. You will neither be paying more or less. Mm. They would always be adjusted to stay relevant and and to you see, these institutions have a responsibility for their shareholders. Yeah. Right, just because it's Islamic doesn't mean my profitability should be compromised. Mm-hmm. Right, so they would always adjust the rates according to the market rate at, at the then prevailing rate. But the incentive is somebody who feels you know there is a moral obligation for me to go to Islamic versus conventional. I mean, let's take a very simple dilemma. What happened for some reason? There is a bank that's offering. Uh, lesser lending rate or charging you lesser lending rate and Islamic is charging you more and you happen to be a Muslim. I'm sure a lot of people are, exactly. are concerned about so that. So the yes. question then is that because it is your personal decision. It's your decision. So by going to a conventional, there is no law in Singapore that's going to penalize you. Mm. Right? Mm. So the, we have left it as say that it's your, you are answerable to your creator and a story. So if you say that no, regardless of what is it, I'm very, I'm very strict with my principles and my this one. I will go to Islamic. Fine, because you're not getting incentivized here. You would be, you'd be answerable to your creator, and then that's how your, 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 your the consequences would be met. So the answer is that they, no, you will not go to an Islamic bank and guaranteed a lower rate, mm. a borrowing rate. Neither you will be getting a higher a profit rate, uh, and vice versa. If Islamic banking becomes more widespread in Singapore, do I have an Islamic obligation? to go to the Islamic bank if they are both on like equal footing, like they have the same interest rates? I think you will sleep well and feel comfortable if you go to Islamic. Because again, like I said, there's really nobody telling you not to, mm-hmm. right? So it's, you see, religion is a very personal transaction between you and the creator. If somebody understands that very well, I think everything falls into place. I can go out and drink alcohol today. Nobody can stop me. And I would not because we have got our principles and etc. And then if I am crossing the line, if I'm sinning, I'm answerable. I got to face the consequences. So in the same way, what we are offering in Islamic finance are some of the things which are very in parallel to what we call ethical, right? So what would we do? Well, if you place your funds with us, you can be guaranteed or at least we can tell you in principle that the funds would not be going into developing arms where there's wars. We will not be putting the money into child labor, you know, those kind of things, right? It is something that is 
any 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 human being would want to resonate mm, right mm. so if people understand that part i think that's that's perfect i think nobody has the rights or nobody uh, can compel you to do something that you don't want to because end of the day let's look at it assuming as a muslim you have decided to grow your wealth with a conventional bank because islamic bank doesn't pay enough now you going to be getting more you decide what you're going to do with that more right because in islam what we call it is the word amana you see it, it comes to saying that we own nothing we are trustees of god's uh, resources mm. be they natural be they uh, the financial right including our children they all our resources and how do you deal with them including your children yeah because how are you going to you have responsibility mm. how you bring them up okay so if you don't bring them up well then if they are going to go out there and do harm to others then you are responsible that's why the word amana comes okay. in like your children have been trusted to you they've been to given you. to you they are trusted to you yeah. so to <clears throat> do well by them interesting i want to then ask you know because this i keep feeling like you're saying that you know uh not you don't need to be a muslim to use islamic financial services right like so How does that work? You know, what is the tick up rate and and like, you know, how, you know how, how are things kind of moving there? Yes. Answer this a little bit. Yes, I can't, yes. I can't yes. answer this, but I mean, Come you on. are not Muslim. Yeah, Do you I'm enjoy not. nasi padang? I love it. Exactly. Mm. <laughs> you can enjoy is like mm. halal food, right? Yeah. So why can't you enjoy halal finance? Excellent. Thank you. Fair point. Thanks. Great. Woohoo! <laughs> yes. But coming back to financials, yes. let, let me give you an incident that happened uh, a few years ago. There was a conference that I participated and then we had one of the big four sitting in there and they reported that the subscription rate in the early Islamic products by the non-Muslims were higher in Malaysia than the Muslims. And naturally, when you make such a statement, you know, you tend to ask, why is that so? How come there are more Muslims liking this thing, right? And the answer that that individual gave was uh, they saw they saw uh, transparency and accountability as an interesting feature in the Islamic finance. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com/style for free shipping and 365-day returns. And then I raised the hand and I asked, shouldn't every institution be? <laughs> Sorry. I should have been laughing. <laughs> Enjoy uh, that, eh? Yeah, yeah, I love that. I love that. Yeah, yeah. We got, you can't yeah, see yeah. what he's sweating. Well, really. we are like in this space, you know. So I know. Yes, please continue. Yeah, I mean, you know, mm-hmm. truly, right? Why should only Islamic be accountable for the their activities and the, how they have managed it? And why should they only be transparent? Shouldn't everyone should be? Can, can you give me a, a bit of color, like? How is it transparent? Like, what is it different? You know, and and all that. Well, I don't know because what happens is there are certain standards in reporting in every country, and they they can differ. So I don't exactly know what he meant by that transparency. But he's he kind of cited these two. So if you look at 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 for example uh, the local standards, right? Every listed company have got to have a certain. Accounting standards that they need to abide by, which may differ from their mother company if they are located elsewhere. 
right? So what happened is I think uh, he said that the Islamic finance may need to go and be rather specific about the investments. So they cannot give generic. Perhaps they got to declare more details into where the money has gone into and then how they are dealing with the income if they happen to come from uh, non-Sharia uh, activities. Interesting. And who is checking on that? Oh, okay. Very good. Um, if you realize that every listed company has to give a audited report public. So number one, the financial obligations and financial reporting are checked by the auditors. And most of the time they are chartered, maybe the big four. And then the Islamic parts are ticked off by the internal Sharia panel of scholars who, who, wow. who knows fancy, fancy huh? in it. <laughs> Interesting, yeah. yeah. And, and I mean, it's a fair point because I think and there are a lot of funds that don't tell you exactly, you know, they'll show yeah. you like top 10 holdings, top yeah. 30 holdings. Even yeah. you read deeper, they will tell you proprietary. We cannot tell you exactly what's your composite and all that. Let me take you up on that point because that's very good. Now, just because it's not reported doesn't mean you're not entitled to. Mm. So you as an investor can ask questions beyond that. So you could actually ask if you find that their prospectors are lacking information, even if you are investing a next to nothing amount, right? Let's say you're not putting in a million, even if you're putting $5,000, an investor has the rights to ask the question and it is my obligation to respond. So if I were to come in and say, hi, please tell me who is signing off your this one as Islamic and can you give me their qualification? Mm. It is the duty of that financial institution to give it to you. And if, if they, they refuse, don't, uh, if they refuse, you can report. You can report to MES because, all right. However, I, as a financial institution, may now give you a generic thank you, but we are not interested to take you as investor. Answer too. <laughs> I could. That's also a but fair point. But then you know that's not, yeah. not any loss on your part because you did your due diligence. Invested, yeah? So you got to be realist. Mm-hmm. But the question: Let us always go to the core, right? We are not here to make a trouble, right? We are not here to. To, to create anything. It's just for your safe of mind and you need to be comforted. Nice. So so please know that just because uh, things are supposed to be reported aren't reported doesn't mean you don't have the right to know more. Great, great. Interesting. Is there, um, I mean, last question for today. Is there any particular uh, misunderstanding about Islamic finance that you, you want to bring out to specifically to our Muslim listeners? Yeah, yeah. Uh, when I was doing Islamic finance, I had an interesting request from a Japanese potential financial institution. They came in and said that, hey, uh, could you, could we offer this in Japan, but don't use the word Islamic? And then oh. I asked them why. And then they say that to a common Japanese investors, the media is inundated with too many negatives right? Islamic terrorists, Islamic terrorism, and those kind of things. So it's difficult to cross that bridge, right? So that's number. We said, yeah, so a rose by any other name, right? So, 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 so we would want to promote, and we really hope that, you know, first of all, you know, we want Muslims to try and demonstrate and accentuate the, um, you know, uh, wonderful features that Islamic finance has to offer, Right, number one, and Muslim and non-Muslims to look at it from an ethical investment point of view. Right, Islamic finance is not the silver bullet for all the financial problems. Let us understand that we are not. We are still learning. We are still wanting to know how to deal with the sophisticated products that are coming into the market, and we are catching up 
honestly, right? So it is not a silver bullet, but I can guarantee you that if people would have looked at Islamic finance seriously, we would not have had so much financial crisis as we have had today. Bam! Bam! Stay tuned all the way after this quick note for our personal money question segment. Before that, I hope you've learned something useful today. Join our Telegram group, follow us on our socials and check out thefinancialcoconut.com. Okay, first question. What has been your best and worst investment you've ever made? Doesn't have to be financial. Uh, well, I think coming into Islamic finance, I'm an accidental Islamic finance, um, what would I say, a professional, right? Uh, it's accidental because I was working in conventional bank most part of my career and also in other financial data like a company called Bloomberg. Because I happened to be in um, the senior most uh, Muslim uh, professional there, my supervisor gave me that task. And that's when I realized there's a huge opportunity. I think uh, coming out to do this thing on my own could have been my best investment because I think advising and, 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 and being in this business has a ripple effect and, and I'm glad that I'm able to do uh, propagate the salient features of Islamic finance through my services. And the worst investment you've ever made? Oh, goodness gracious, what did I say? I put a bit of money on some cryptocurrencies. I think it didn't do well. So I would have not done that if I had on hindsight. Okay, so the next thing is, What's one thing under $100 that has been a game changer? I think I bought myself a nice suit from New York <laughs> in under an outlet. 100? Under 100, yes. Ooh. Brooks Brothers. Oh, I knew. <laughs> Why is it a game changer? Oh, no, because it kind of looked good, you know. I went to conferences in them and it kind of like, you know, I tend to look younger than my age. So that kind of like make me more professional. <laughs> oh, and gave you superpowers. Yes, it sure did. That it sure did. Yeah. Ten. One place that you can learn from that you think is underrated can be a book, a website, anywhere, anything. I don't know, but I find the, and I'm not promoting this site, the articles and features from this Atlantic, I think, publisher is something I thoroughly enjoy and love. And it's it's wide spectrum of uh, subjects and very well written. I think that's something I, I go to quite often and it's on, it's on my safe list. 